You are now listening to the Film Frequency Podcast, hosted by your professionally unprofessional film critics, the Film Bros. What's going on, film family? Welcome to another episode of the Film Frequency Podcast. I know, I know. It's been a little minute. I left you guys without a dope pod to step to, and I do apologize for the extended break. Um, for those of you who do know, I started my own project out uh, called Chicago Bulls Central, which is based around the Chicago Bulls. It's in the name. And it's been taking up a lot of my time, and with JB's like absence and everything, um, it just kind of worked out that, unfortunately, we've been gone for a minute. But we're back now. And so this is just for um, to, to set the standard here, right, and hold myself accountable. What we're going to do... Going towards the end of the year, I'm going to catch up with a lot of smaller, shorter reviews. So we're talking about 10 to 15 minute reviews on a lot of the movies that we missed in the back half of the year since JB's absence. So I'll be filling that back catalog in with content. And then going into the new year, we're going to be completely revamping what we do here at the Film Frequency. So because I typically get to see newer movies the weekend they come out, whereas JB is like super busy and he doesn't usually get to see the newer movies when they come out. We're going to be revamping things in the way that you're going to get shorter reviews from me on the weekends of releases. That's if JB didn't get a chance to watch them. And then we'll be doing more full-fledged reviews um, and lengthy reviews on those movies once JB gets back. And then me and JB are also going to do our things where we have series and themes throughout the month where we fill in little bits of content with like movies that mean stuff to us. I also have the new series that I'll be doing my favorite movies where I'll be interviewing people and talking about and breaking down their favorite movies and why it's their favorite. That's going to be exclusive to the podcast and the YouTube channel. So we're going to completely be revamping the way we do content here at the Friend Frequency. It's going to be A, to get you more content, B, to get you um, those reviews of newer movies quicker, and then we have our in-depth things and things that we can fall back on on top of that. So be on the lookout for those things. I promise you. 2022 is going to be a way more focused year for the film frequency. So that's what I wanted to start this podcast off with. Um, that's enough that said there and everything. Uh, today's episode, this is all Marvel everything. So we'll be going over the Doctor Strange uh, trailer, which is actually at the end of um, of No Way Home. We'll be reviewing No Way Home. And then I'll also be talking about my thoughts on the Hawkeye series. So let's go ahead and jump into it. First off, this Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness uh, trailer, teaser, whatever they want to call it, that originally screened at the end, it was the, uh, the second post credit scene at the end of No Way Home. Um, this is shaping up to be, you know, when you hear about Sam Raimi A doing it, it to be more horror-like, like I'm not expecting a full horror movie. Um, also, we get the appearance of the what-if version of Doctor Strange, or what appears to be that, right? Marvel could throw us for a loop, and it could not actually be that full version. But it very well may could be, um, especially when you see some of the things um, uh, that that's happening in the trailer. But overall, just looking at everything that's going on here, uh, it leaves a lot to be uh, to be guessed upon. Right. Me, I do think, especially when you get that scene of um, Dr. Strange's uh, woman go, ma being married and he and he's in the audience. I think what they're telling us there is that Dr. Strange actually was uh, when he was blipped, she was not blipped for that five-year period and kind of moved on with her life. She kind of expected him to be gone. And that's really, I think, is going to set up uh, this whole uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse thing. And then also coming off No Way Home, slight spoilers for No Way Home, but based off what happened at the end of that movie, um, Doctor Strange may not remember 
what's going on with the multiverse, right? Because we had a damn near multiverse rip. Um, and since he forgot Peter Parker, were all those things forgotten as well? Um, so that's uh, that's a lot of questions that's raised there as, as well as like, how does Wanda figure into it? We got America Sanchez in it. Uh, we're, we may be getting three different versions of Dr. Strange. So our version we're used to, the what if version of Dr. Strange, we're calling him that because we don't know for right now. And then we're also getting the Defenders version, um, I believe is what it's called, of Dr. Strange, with this, which the toy to that has already been released. So because of that, it's like this multiverse thing uh, that we're seeing and that we're happening here. And don't forget, we still have Kang coming in Quantumanium in the Ant-Man movie. and so. This whatever's going on with this multiverse thing, I know there's a lot of speculation going on around that Wanda may be the actual villain in this. I don't know if they turn Wanda to a full-fledged villain. I just don't know. I hope they don't. I love Wanda's character too much that she turns into a villain. Maybe she does get focused on the multiverse because she found a universe and where her children were real and stuff like that happens. But overall, I really do not want to see um Wanda become the villain here. Now I may not get that, right? With the, with the other two versions of Strange that we're getting in this movie, even if you look at the poster that's been released so far, there are three distinct different versions of Doctor Strange in that. And there's also two different versions of Wanda, so it may not work out to be what it is. But with that being said, it's just whatever happens with this film, traversing the multiverse, finding out what, what happens in other multiverses. And we, we heard the, the line from Strange that the multiverse is something that they know very little of. So this is this is new for him as well dr strange is not the sorcerer supreme we know wong is the sorcerer supreme so how all that happens this preview has been is has me very interested in this film and what it could ultimately mean for these characters but let me know what you guys think uh for those who are viewing it listening to it, whatever else uh what how do you think this multiverse thing is going to go off i had been saying for a while that i really do think that the multiverse thing was probably going to culminate in dr strange but with kang and with what we know what's going on with loki and loki is getting a second season who knows? This multiverse thing may be something that perverberates through the MCU for a few years. So we'll, we'll continue to see and see how Kang works into that and everything else. All right. Enough with the Doctor Strange trailer. Let's go ahead and get into Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, this film, let me let me let me say here. And again, full spoilers. I'm not doing no short spoiler free version. If if, if I had got this video out sooner, it's been a week since the movie came out. I probably did as a spoiler free and a spoiler version of this review but i'm hopping right in i personally for me for my money right and this keep in mind i'm 35 years old i have been around for all the three different franchises that sony has had with spider-man four if you count um into the spider-verse but nonetheless um so with that being said this is my favorite spider-man film and I'm not saying that it's the best right i can make that distinction between something being the best and just my favorite I do think Spider-Man 2 is such a well-made uh, film. Do I do understand why people put that above it? But for my money, just everything that they did in this in this movie, when you talk about all the different, so much could have gone wrong, right? When you when people like with the Amazing Spider-Man, even with Spider-Man 3, talked about how many how the too many villains weighed down that movie. They paced this one so well. And yes, there's some plot holes and things like that uh, with who knew Spider-Man, and it, yes, those things exist. But when you look at the, the the distinct three different acts in this movie, there is the the act of of Peter trying to get his life in in order, um, trying to figure it out after Mysterio blew the lead on uh, on his uh, on his identity and everything like that, and him trying to figure it out, um, finding out that he's not going to be able to get into MIT, dealing with that, and then the second, the mid act is really setting up the multiverse, him trying to problem solve what Mysterio's exposing him did to him. 
um, going to Doctor Strange, right? Um, and then we get the introduction of all these different villains and trying to figure out. And then the distinct third act starts after the scene with them all in um, Happy Hogan's house and him trying to cure them all. And when Green Goblin takes back over Norman Osborn's body, um, that's a distinct darker third act of this movie that we then do get introduced to the Spider-Man from the previous franchises. Those three, anything could have fell apart to make those three different acts not be as cohesive, right? Or one to drop the ball and completely take you out the movie. We talk so often here, and I talk so often, about how movies that can't nail the the ending can somehow take you so much out of the movie. This film was damn near a perfect film. And shout out, shout out to the director of this film because what he did with this trilogy, right? And we yes, we know Marvel has their hands in it and nobody's saying they, that it's just him or anything like that. And he didn't write the movie either. But what they did with this trilogy, making a trilogy of an origin story um, for Spider-Man, like that's what this is. This is a, this these three movies were just the origin story. So when you hear things like Mar, uh, Sony and Marvel interested in doing another trilogy with Tom Holland, it makes sense because they really gave us something that we felt like this could be, when and when Tom Holland came out and said this was an end, this is like the end to the beginning of Peter Parker. He is now set off in a completely different place than what he started in and has no support, no loved ones around him. People don't even know he exists. So everything is him reestablishing and really being on his own. But I know I'm getting so far ahead of myself because I love this film so much is that what they did with the start of this movie is they set you back in this universe. They got us comfortable. They got us in Peter's head and understand the anguish that he feels in dealing with being exposed. We also get some fan service with having uh, Matt Murdock show up and him being played by Charlie Cox. But then once the multiverse aspect of this movie and the villains start coming that fight with doc ock on that bridge was a great scene for so many different reasons it really sets up so much of doc ock not knowing really what he is him his the the change in him once he sees that it's not his peter right when he sees that it's not his peter and then peter parker trying to figure this out and then once dr strange pulls them back into the sanctum and try and explains what he's going on you see peter like what the hell did i do now as that goes on more when we first see electro he's different and then when we see Flint Marco pop up and all that stuff happening, you really start to see Peter try to process. It goes from, hey, I just need to get these guys home so I can go back on with my life to I feel for these, right? Because this is me, right? I feel for these people. And then Norman Osborn going to feast, seeing Aunt May, Aunt May telling Peter that, that he should help him where Peter is like, it's not my problem. Then once Peter finds out, no, some of these, some of these guys are destined to die. And you see the weight of that hit on him because they're killed by Spider-Man. Such great, great acting from Tom Holland throughout this movie, right? Such great, just really everything. This story from top to bottom was a great Spider-Man story. And then when you get to the point of him trying to cure these guys and figuring it out for the most part, you know, the Green Goblin cure would not have worked overall. But when you see Otto Octavius healed and the clarity that comes over him, and the and the and the joy, right? The gratefulness that comes over him, and Peter helping him, and even when he's talking to Norman Norman Osborn and and saying, "Hey, you're about to be whole again," right? Because he he saw this man fall, right? He saw him go from a great scientist to somebody who was impelled by their own glider, and so to to have that joy and to see him like appreciate, be appreciated for Norman Osborn, such a great scene there, and then the scene where Spider Sense kicked in. And Peter's trying to figure out what is wrong. Everybody around him is like wondering. And you see Peter take that moment, take that moment to really trust his instincts 
and realize that it's Norman Osborn and you see Norman's change, his whole demeanor. And Norm Willem Dafoe is such a great actor because there is such a distinction between Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin. He does such a great job for a role that he has not played in almost 20 years to come back in and to be able to seamlessly give a performance that really feels, feels like it was done right after his original perform performance in that first Spider-Man film. Just great acting overall. And then the ending of this film, Peter having the selfless moment of realizing, hey, I caused all this, right? I caused this because of me not being willing to just deal with what happened and try to figure it out. Me, me wanting to have, you know, everyone says in here, Green Goblin says it, him trying to live in two different worlds. Dr. Strange says it to him at one point, him trying to have everything that he wanted, putting the, the, the universe, right? The multiverse at risk and so many other people's loved ones and him realizing that, that the decision and the sacrifice that he has to make to lose all of his loved ones after he already lost Aunt May, to lose his best friend, Ned, to lose MJ. And yes, he did originally think, hey, I'm going to go find you guys after this. And then that final scene in the donut shop with MJ and that conversation to see and the, Tom Holland does such great acting in that moment, right? That that may be the best acted scene of Tom Holland's career so far because not very many words are said, but it's all conveyed through his physical acting, through the facial expressions and when he sees that wound over MJ's head, you understand everything, every thought process and everything that just went through his head. You see that by the way that he depicted that scene. Powerful, powerful. No Way Home to me is is easily, easily for me, my favorite Spider-Man film. And yes, you kind of you kind of have to have the trilogy to, to get to this point. But then to end it with him on his own, no more tech based suits for and that fixes a lot of complaints that people had with Spider-Man was really Iron Man Jr. To go back to a suit that he built himself and that smile, right, that that little bit of joy that that he's trying to pull out, even though he's in his darkest place, has no support, no loved ones, none of this. Nobody knows this man exists for the most part and to go out and still be able to be Spider-Man. This It's the emotional ending they were trying to get with uh, with Amazing Spider-Man 2. And they 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 did a pretty good job here um, uh, there, I mean, but even better job here. And then the fan service, the scenes of in that third act of the three different Peter Parkers, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, and Tom Holland, Spider-Man's all interacting together. Great. That scene where they find him on the roof and the, with great power comes great responsibility when Tobey Maguire finished that. And then Andrew Garfield says, Uncle Ben said it. Like, hey, Andrew Garfield gets such a bad rap for his Spider-Man. Yes, those movies, it's, it's, I think the second one more than the first. I really do enjoy The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Andrew Garfield, whether it's growth, whether he had this all along, He's an amazing actor and, and the, the depth. He has the most emotional depth of the other two Spider-Man that pop up and him getting that scene where he gets to redeem himself in a way by saving Mary Jane. And you have and the fact that they gave him that moment, right? They gave him that moment where you see the grief and the anguish and the joy in a way of like being able to save her all come over his face again. Great, great physical acting there from him. But the scenes of all three Spider-Man coming together. Figuring it out, doing their cures, the whole meme thing of them pointing together and Ned and the, the scene where MJ is looking at them is like, it's three of you's. This was the fan service done correctly, right? Because it was in service of the movie. And yes, in, in a way, if you want to if you want to break it down and think about it, the fact that Andrew Garfield was just out there in his Spider-Man uniform for a day and nobody saw him when like all this stuff was going on on the news and stuff. It does raise some questions. 
But overall, like, the way that Marvel did this, right? Because they didn't have to use Sony Spider-Man. And I know Sony still owns Spider-Man in general. But the way that they worked that out, and retroactively now, these are part of the multiverse of the MCU. Just great things from, from this movie as well. I can't do it and uh, talk about it enough. I'll have another in-depth review going over it more, me and Andrew Bello, at some point. So be on the lookout for that. But that's my review on Spider-Man No Way Home. Just an amazing, amazing film. For my money, one of the better ones. Um, uh, that, probably my second favorite uh, comic book movie of this year, next to Shang-Chi. Um, but let's get into... Something I wasn't as high on. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. And then that is the Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus. This is what I'll say with this. I honestly feel like this was what the, this was the shortest one. But I honestly feel like the story that they told here, give me three hour long episodes and they could have done a lot of the same thing. I do like um, Haley Stanfield in here. I love that they now work that Hawkeye's uh, wife was the was Mockingbird officially closing the door. That Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon. Like, this is officially close that door that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon at all in the MCU. It's probably, again, another multiverse. They can use it like that. But as far as in this mainstream thing um, there. Now, what I would say with this one is that, yes, you have the most normal of the Avengers, the most human of the Avengers. And they use that to great effect, especially working him, him going death, showing the price of being an Avenger and fighting these multi-worldly battles that he's been a part of they, and he's just a guy with a bow and arrow you they, they do all that very well and i do love the dynamic between um hawkeye and Haley stanfield's character i love that i even love Haley stanfield and uh helena I, I love i love them two together there was a lot of great scenes over the course of this series but as a series and this goes back to kind of what i was talking about with spider-man no way home really as a series i do feel that they did not land this they led up this the big guy, the person that Hawkeye was terrified of. And early in the series, Hawkeye's like, hey, I want to get Thanos. But like he didn't want to, He didn't want Kingpin to get involved in this in this what they had going on. And ultimately, Kingpin being taken out by a girl. Right. This was such a watered down version of Kingpin. Kingpin from the Netflix universe would have killed Haley Stanfield in their first interaction and moved the fuck on. Like they showed him being powerful. The fact that he ripped the car door off. I like all that stuff. But I think ultimately my disappointment in the series does come with they had a chance, right? Episodes one and two were cool. I think episode three was my favorite. Episode four was all right. Episode five, I love how it ended. This last episode just did not nail it for Kingpin for me. And that's what they were built. Retroactively looking at it, that's what they were building into is bringing Kingpin into the MCU. Yes, they can do so much more with them in the, in the reported Echo show. Not really excited for this now. Um, but then how they end them, right, with getting shot. And, I, and you know, you know they go away because he's going to come back. But I don't know. Ultimately, I just feel like what they were leading up to with this, all things. Um, Helena coming in and finally fighting Hawkeye. And then their conversation was kind of just so-so. Um, their, their fight scene wasn't, wasn't the best either. Like, it was, I don't know. Ultimately, I'm just left. I'm left. I don't know if it's wanting more or if I'm left feeling unfulfilled because they just they, they kind of rush it towards the end, but the, the, the things that, that I wanted personally the most from this show, I just felt like they gave it to me, but they didn't give it to me in a quality way. You guys may disagree with that, and that's fine, but looking at this Hawkeye show from start to finish, they had the fight scenes, great, solid. Almost every fight scene in this end was just, it was corny to me, right? The, the scene with all the trick arrows and all the, the tracksuit mafia was cool, but the one-on-one -on -one fights, Echo against uh, whatever that guy's name was supposed to be. Trash to me. Trash. 
Um, Kate Bishop versus Kingpin. Kingpin with Thor across the side of the room. Go pick her up. Thor again. Like, uh, it was corny to me. Um, and then Hawkeye and, and Helena to me. It's it's not that I wanted to see them fight to the death or even get close to that point. I understood that that was going to be where the revelations came from. But it just it felt cheap and it felt empty to me. Again, love J Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. Love him. Love Haley Stanfield now as Kate Bishop. I am excited that she's in the MCU and I'm excited to see what they do with her going forward. And I like a lot of things in theory what they did. I just didn't like the execution of a lot of this. But let me know what you guys think down below. You guys could disagree with me and that's perfectly fine. I want to hear from you. Um, how do you get in feedback to us? Thefilmfrequencypod at gmail.com. Um, if you want to leave us anything there, if you want to leave us a voicemail, it's uh, 614-547-2039. Um, but that's it for this episode. I will be having a Matrix Revolutions review out in the next day or so. So be on the lookout for that. Other than that, I'm Hayes. You can follow us at The Film Bros. You can follow me personally at CEO Hayes, at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. Shout out to The Film Family. I'm out. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.